the incomparable. Number 329, December 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and it's that time of year. It's December. You know what that means? Star Wars. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's Star Wars season from now until forever, until it becomes unprofitable. And although we are going to do a couple episodes about Rogue One once it comes out, uh, I thought I would take this time early in December for us to talk about something uh, happy and heartwarming about Star Wars. And that is why I am presenting to you... The Incomparable's Star Wars Travesty Draft, in which we will choose mostly things that are kind of bad uh, about the thing we love, which is Star Wars, in different categories. Joining me to discuss travesties of Star Wars are these people who are not travesties at all. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Good to have you here. Joe Steele. Hello. Hello. Monty Ashley. Hi. Hello. John Syracuse. May the force be with you. I comfort myself by thinking that this episode can't be as bad as the holiday special episode. <laughs> David Sparks is here. Hi, David. Hi, Jason. Good to have you here. Happy to be here. The force is strong, or is it? And David Lore. Happy Life Day, everyone. All right. Here's how this is going to work. We have a bunch of different rounds. In each round, there'll be a category. I have randomized our picking order. It will advance by one as we move through the rounds. So not everybody, you know, everybody will get a chance to pick first in each of the categories as we go. It's all handled randomly. BlameRandom.org. Wait, even you? No, you're giving away the secret is I'm always last. (laughs) Everybody else rotates. I will always be last because I'm your host. And hosts, that would be not host-like to go anything but last. So our first category, round one of the travesty draft is this. And this this is what started it all, the concept that started it all, which is I want everybody to pick a change to an existing Star Wars work made after it was originally released. This is your opportunity to pick apart terrible things about the Star Wars special editions for us to discuss. We will also, if you have comments about someone else's pick, feel free. You can you can make those. It's meant to be a discussion and not just a, a dry list of things, because that would be a boring podcast. Dan Morin, what would you like to choose oh, as a bad oh, change? I get to go first in this round. Well, in that case, I'm going to take probably the most obvious choice right off the table which is, of course, the change to Greedo shooting first. I think we can all understand pretty easily why it's a terrible, terrible change. Not only does it totally ruin the sort of narrative arc of this Han Solo, our devil-may-care rogue and scoundrel, but it looks terrible. It just looks really bad. I remember watching it in the theater and thinking, as they had this weird little, like, head jerk almost that Harrison Ford seems to do to avoid Greedo shooting him, you know, that it's like, what, what, what was that? Like, it, it looks, it just looks terrible. It's, it's implausible to me that even someone as inept as Greedo could miss a shot from two <laughs> feet away. Like, that's, that's pretty dumb. Um, and, and the whole rationale behind it seemed ridiculous as well. I mean, it, it seemed like the only sort of pathetic, you know, explanation they could give is that they didn't want Han Solo to be the kind of guy who would shoot someone down in cold blood. Uh, and it just seems to me like I, I, it, it seems so unbelievable and it seems so damning to his character to have him be more of a, uh, you know, 
uh, to not have him be that kind of cold, shrewd, calculating guy that I feel like it, it just seems, it seems crazy. It seems crazy. And so I, you know, I obviously it's, it's spawned many memes, uh, and it's a, it's a point of great contention for Star Wars fans with the, uh, with George Lucas. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, it harkens back to that, that brief change. I think they've changed it back, but in ET where they took out the guns right. and put in the walkie talkies. Uh, and I think they changed it back in a subsequent version yep, because everyone did. was like, well, that's, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, same George Lucas, unfortunately did not get, uh, quite the benefit of that later hindsight. But yeah, I think we can all agree that among travesties, that is perhaps the, one of the greatest travesties of the special editions. I agree. That was my number one pick. As a wise man once said, everybody knows the Greedo never even fired. When Han shoots first, it sets up his entire mortal journey. Plus it's cool. It is cool. He's exactly the kind of guy who shoots in that scenario. Yeah. Come on. That's why he has a moral journey. If he doesn't he doesn't have a moral journey if he starts off a good guy and ends up a good guy. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a great choice. I think we all have to tip our cap to Dan, who was randomly selected to choose Greedo shooting <laughs> first. And uh, now we move on to Joe. Joe, do you have a special edition change that you would like to throw on the bonfire that already has Darth Vader's toasty body on it? But let's throw some other things on there. Uh, I do. Uh, however, it's not... Strictly speaking, the special edition, it's the version from 2011, uh, a change that George Lucas made when he was releasing the Blu-rays. They're all special, Joe. They're all (laughs) special editions. (laughs) They certainly have a special place somewhere, (laughs) anatomically speaking. But this particular change incensed me because I didn't even know about it until I was watching uh, the digital version uh, last year to do our episode on Defocus. And they have grafted in the no from episode three the infamous no, the no, <laughs> yeah. they grafted that in to a scene that had uh, emotional gravity, probably one of the better parts of Return of the Jedi, where everything comes to a head and it's the Emperor, Luke, and Vader, and it's turning Vader against the Emperor and saving Luke, and they they totally botched it. I, I absolutely loathe that. There is no reason that change needed to exist, and uh, it just it sullies uh, what otherwise is probably one of the the pivotal points of the entire uh three movies that you you first uh see so i I just i don't understand that change at all and it infuriates every just so angry flames flames on the side of my head he says it twice too that's the worst part is like as he's looking he says and it's so on the nose he says no very shortly and it's like really yeah and then he and then he grabs the emperor and goes no and throws him and and does it, it seem like someone is just trolling all of us and then the emperor yells too when he goes oh down the shaft God. right it's just awful it makes me so angry because it, it's one of those things just like dan had said uh there's the execution of an idea and there's the the concept of an idea in this case it doesn't matter how perfectly they had executed this if it didn't seem like it was recycled stuff that was added in later it's still just conceptually is flawed it's there's no reason for that dialogue to exist uh he's just he's very obvious that he's throwing him over the the thing he doesn't need to be so literal when he's uh when he's saying what he's gonna do it's like and now i will throw the emperor over the side die emperor go away and you can kind of see that their blot their weird rationale there was like well he's wearing a mask so you can't see this journey play out on his face say that mask is so expressive though i agree with you john i feel like it is very expressive i think that's their flawed reasoning for it (laughs) the mask is more expressive than any of the actors (laughs) who played the character (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Joe, that was on my list. I watched those. I watched the before and after earlier today. It is ridiculous. And I, I spent so much time with the despecialized editions now that I had never, I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it. It is, yes, flames, anger. It's oh, so God. terrible. I think I saw the YouTube clip of it. That was it. Uh-huh. It's so terrible. Yeah, more seriously about about the mask being expressive, like we say that because we have empathy with the character when we're watching it, but that empathy obviously doesn't come from the mask, which doesn't actually move. It comes entirely from the plot that has led up to that, the camera, you know, the editing of when they show him, mm-hmm. then the emperor, then him, then the emperor, and the music. And like, there's so much there. You don't need you don't need any facial expression established because that mask does not change shape at all there's subtext right and then and this erases that in favor of like let's just put right. it all out on the table right and so you oh. didn't you didn't need anything on his face and they're like well we don't we don't have face can, can we make him just say what he's he, what he's feeling can we have him just say it yes and do we have any audio of that actually we do have some audio of that word so such bad decision making well i would i would say in addition to the music and the cutting you know and the camera angles um i think there's even some good body language that Mm -hmm. dave prouse has yes that shows you his tension and he you know he keeps looking and turning and it's it's you can see the whole dilemma on darth vader's face basically in his body language uh totally unnecessary it's terrible. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it. it's another thing where Lucas got to a point where he didn't want to let the audience put the pieces together. And that was a moment right. that was great for that. Uh, but of course, it was directed by someone else. There was a bit of Julia. subtext uh, that, that turned into text, like like everything in the prequels. It's a little bit of prequels. Decided, suddenly, yep. Vader was going to be the kind of character who mumbles his motivations out loud under his breath constantly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's so Vader, right? Yeah. yeah and it, this is also many years after everyone was outraged by the, the original no. So it's, it's not like George Lucas was oblivious to the fact that people <laughs> didn't like yeah, it. It's like he's doing right. it Despite people, he's like, trolling. You know, yeah. like that. No, guess what? You're in. Yeah, it's totally a troll, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's totally a troll, so that makes sense. <laughs> Monty, what's a uh, what's a, a change to an existing work that uh, really bugs you? Uh, well, Joe went for a change that was after the special editions. The one that's always bothered me is from before <laughs> the special editions. Uh, Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. And then the original movie, Star Wars, was re-released on April 10, 1981. Mm -hmm. And that's when it was renamed to Star Wars Episode 4, colon, A New Hope. Now, I don't mind the Episode 4 part, but I'm not calling that movie A New Hope. No one knows what you mean. That movie is called Star Wars. Yep. And it's really weird to change the name of your movie four years after you made it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the biggest movie in the world. People, It's branded already. It's too late. How do you feel about Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, oh, I, I, that kills me. That causes me alphabetization problems every day. But if you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, they didn't change the title in the movie. Yeah. Just on the box. But they changed the title of Star Wars to Episode Four: A New Hope on screen during the running of the movie. And I, I people who notice... Uh, that we, we, you know, we have people here who call it a new hope. John calls it a new hope. I, I, uh, when we talk about Star Wars, I'm not one of those people. I am a Star Wars person. That movie is called Star Wars. That's the name of the movie. 
See, here's the thing is like as someone who is younger and like really, I mean, I didn't see it in the theaters, right? So most of my ex, you know, I, I was exposed sure, to home it video. On, the, on the videotapes. And, and so basically I had seen it as that for my entire life. Uh, and, and just when talking about it with friends, it was always simpler to call it. We used to just call it A&H because like if you just said Star Wars, Nerds. you know, you, well, you know, if you just said Star Wars, <laughs> it's imprecise, right? Like you could yeah. be referring to the whole the thing, franchise. the whole franchise. And it's so yeah. just to be, you know, avoid confusion. We used to, we used to just call it A&H. Yeah, that's why I call it a new hope on podcasts. I, I grew up calling it Star Wars, and I always think of it as Star Wars. But for the purposes of discussing movies on podcasts, especially when we're usually discussing like the entire series, right? That's why I end up calling it a new hope because it distinguishes it immediately. Mm. Uh, I think I'd I rather call it episode it four. Honestly, I never call it episode four. I would never find myself doing that because the episode <laughs> thing I reserve entirely <laughs> for the prequels. Uh, I, I do like how the prequels have taken over. So if you just say episode one, everybody knows what you mean. Episode one. Of. Uh, everyone groans and, and yeah. knows what you mean. Yeah. The confusion of whether the movie or the series is called Star Wars is George Lucas's fault. And he made that decision. And it came out on April 10, 1981. And if he'd done anything else and just left that movie called Star Wars, everything would be better. They called Two Star, Two Wars. Star <laughs> Star Warser. Star Wars the motion picture. The first one is yeah. Star War. The sequel is Star Wars. Yeah. That's where you amp it up. Stars and, and Wars. The third Tokyo one Drift. is That'll be great. Star Warsist. All right. Uh, these are great. Uh, you no, Nobody has disappointed me. John, what do you have? <laughs> well, people have uh, stolen a lot of my stuff, so i got to pick from one of my backups here. Yeah. Uh-oh. I think I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to uh, uh, swap up the order here, and I'm going to go with adding Jabba to Mos Eisley in A New Hope, also known as Star Wars. Yep. Um, also on my list. Right. So that was filmed. Like, it's originally filmed. They, he wanted to do it. It's filmed with the big guy wearing the, the fur coat and everything. And, you know, now we have the technology. We can go back and we can add that scene. Uh, kind of like the Greedo scene. It looks really bad. I know there are two versions of this. Both of them look really bad because it was <laughs> shot with, you know, Harrison Ford walking around, the big guy with the fur coat. And so they lay in Jabba, not really to the right scale because he's got to kind of fit in the shot with him yeah and then they have han walk behind him and go over his tail and this crazy cut and paste where they he floats up in the air and goes back <laughs> down but like so that so there's the terribleness but also it's pointless because it doesn't add any urgency to han's situation like we we know he's on the run we know he's got some problems us seeing the person who he owes money to ratchets down the tension not up because mm. jabba is not impressive or intimidating or scary and and if you're a crime lord you don't show up yourself right that's why greedo is there it's like there's a bounty on him jabba doesn't come out there and slither his way into the hangar and and give him a stern talking to and then he goes on his way it undercuts the entire thing and it looks terrible um and when i think of uh what they've done to uh to the, to the you know to the entire trilogy but specifically to star wars it really bothers me that uh that that scene is there like i just i just just skip over it don't watch it dialogue wise it's very clear that at some point after they shot the jabba scene they realized they weren't going to use it and moved dialogue into the greedo scene and so there's Mm -hmm. duplicated dialogue Mm -hmm. it literally makes no sense that they have the same conversation twice they added it back in didn't trim the dialogue in the greedo scene which is fine because they shouldn't do that but it it, it, you watch it as a uh you know vaguely attentive viewer and you can see they're just saying the same things again 
It doesn't make any sense. It should not be in the movie. <laughs> and it undercuts the Return of the Jedi because Return of the Jedi, seeing Jabba, the fact that, you know, that's a reveal. And why would you right. under... It's like, oh, look, see how it's tied together? Jabba isn't just made up for the third movie. He was in the first movie. Look, here he is. We knew exactly what he was going to look like. You know, so you didn't. He had a guy in a fur coat. And that's a reveal for the third movie. Like, say, it's just... It's terrible. Well, it's it's more of a, a suspense kind of thing anyway. You know, it's like it's like the third man. He almost Harry Lyme almost never shows up in the movie until the very end. And everybody talks about him and you hear about him and he's he's menacing as a result. It's the same thing with Jabba. If if all you have are these minions coming after Solo and then, you know, then it's like in the third movie. Now we have Jabba. You know, now it's serious. Whereas this it's like. Eh, oh, he's he's small enough that he can go and visit him in the hangar. Mm. He's an ugly, sad-looking slug guy. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been quiet because I completely agree with everything that everybody said. <laughs> I would just like to... <laughs> I just want to pile on and say, like, this is awful. But uh, as John had said, they've done this twice, and it still looks terrible. And I don't know how many more times they need to do it, because I'm not even sure they could do it well if they gave it another shot. Because it, it just... The movement that is required to replace the actor that's there is so unjabba like from what you see in Return of the Jedi that it 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 would never conceptually function because you still have something that's small and moving too fast and you still have Harrison Ford hopping over the back of it. I, I just oh. don't think you're ever gonna get this scene to to work at all. And I so I, I I don't even think it's a thing of being overly ambitious with the tools he had. I think it was it was something where it's just like, oh yeah, these pieces will not fit together at all. No. So I should just abandon yeah. it. I, yeah. I'm willing to forgive everything in that scene except Harrison Ford being clearly just moved up as he goes over <laughs> yes. the scale. Like, he just translated. He levitates. It's a total 2D yeah. move. All right, David Lore, it's your turn for a travesty. That was a change. What do you have? Well, everything has been on my list so far, so I'm just crossing off, going down. And and I, I actually have a few more, but the the one I think I'm going to go with, because it, it drove me nuts in the theater at the moment, watching the special editions, every scene that they can shove things in, in every section of the frame, drove me nuts. You know, I mean, okay, yes, yes, make Mos Eisley bigger. Yes, have all these creatures. Yes, add more ships in the background to scenes. But not so many, you know, and there's so many moving parts that they throw in there that it's hard to focus once you have, you know, once you're on the streets of Mos Eisley and you have all these things walking around and walking in front and walking behind and, you know, and it's like, stop it. I know you can do this, but do it better. You know, have an editor, have someone say, no, no, not not 30, like five. Add five things. Five is good. Yeah, the, the uh, opening shot in most Eisley is the best example, I think, of just there's too much stuff there. Yeah. That was the final thing on my list. Dinosaurs do not make most Eisley seem intimidating. <laughs> yeah. And the slapstick robots. It's supposed to be a backwater, right? Like, it seems all mm -hmm. of a sudden, like, it just seems like, I don't know. What? It seems the like circus, a small, the small circus town. is in town. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind a few more bad guys. It's a wretched hive. It's like he wants to make it into, to like, Casablanca, but with, you know, dinosaurs. As if they didn't have enough background characters to merchandise. They're like, oh, great, right. more toy opportunities. <laughs> yep, painful. These are all great um, and terrible at the same time. <laughs> David Sparks, what do you have? What's a, what's a special edition change that you do not approve of? Well, first of all, I, I second every pick so far. <laughs> Good. 
Yeah. <laughs> one, one that struck me like a uh, in the theater, just like, what the heck did they do? Is the song Jedi Rocks. Yeah. Someone picked it. It was on my list, too. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the. The song they played in Jabba's Palace originally was kind of in-universe. It felt like it. Um, then they put this Jedi Rocks thing, which makes no sense because there's no Jedi around at this point. How can, Who's left to rock? And <laughs> and then the CGI character that they created for it is is terrible and... Uh, the whole thing oh. is just if a CGI bad, character it, could be described as a as a bad actor, you could do it with that character. That it is just the the guy who like keeps coming up to the camera and backing off, and the, there are mm. multiple CGI char- characters. <laughs> that whole yeah, it's terrible. It Random so CGI bad. guy, could you take it down from like an eleven to like a nine? <laughs> You're really overplaying this part. <laughs> yeah, well, they even do a shot where. Uh, he opens up his mouth, and you see yeah. saliva in the back of his yes. throat. But it's oh, not. Yes, they couldn't Why? do like ray traced reflective saliva so it's just this uh mushy um almost uh, uh i don't know glue like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh metallic thing <laughs> it's it's gross uh it's, it's it's really disturbing i just don't know why they uh, it just makes me angry so you're anyway, suddenly continue. in a looney tunes cartoon or something yes. where they're, they're mm. zooming in on his tonsils like that's not that's not a thing we do in star what happened here did we do we change genres all of a sudden <laughs> and you just can't it, the scene is a, a great scene as as I grew up with it, yeah. but then it like just takes you out. It's terrible. And Max Jedi Rebo, rocks. Max no Rebo gets like totally sidelined. He, we get a couple shots yeah, of him. He yeah. is everybody's favorite blue alien band leader, and he's totally just a puppet. Sorry, blue alien band leader puppet, uh, and he's totally sidelined in the in the redo too, which is no good. So yeah, and even the makeup on the uh, new backup singers, oh. it doesn't look anything oh, like the rest so of the film. <laughs> Well, my choice is also a musical replacement in Return of the Jedi. Oh. Because you know what? I I want Yub Nub at the end. Mm-hmm. I want Yub Nub at the end. I don't want orchestral music and shots of planets from the prequels as the final victory is celebrated in uh, you know, I don't Yub Nub, you know, it's a it was a weird choice and all that, but we spent <laughs> we spent two hours with those little teddy bears on their little forest moon. We're gonna go with Yub Nub and, and and to erase the climax of this great trilogy and replace it with kind of some new music and a lot of fireworks because Everybody's got fireworks ready to go in case anything good happens anywhere, and the shots of Coruscant and all of that. You know what a what a a, a bitter way to end the watching the special edition trilogies to have the the final capper be this uh, kind of generic rewrite and promotion of uh, material from the prequel trilogy. It doesn't even make any sense with what we know now, right? Like because it's not like everybody was just like, "Yay, the Empire's done, we yeah. win." Right, like that. That made that made no sense to me at the time because all of a sudden you realize, like, how did the news get from like all the way over there, and then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we're free." Like, there's still a ton of people left. Like, the Empire's still around. So yeah, it always struck me as very like a hollow victory thing, and so it was weird to have it like echoed over all these planets. Yeah, and, and including Coruscant doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It wasn't yep. a setting in, in any of these films. Right. Nope. Yeah. The ones that I didn't, that I had on my list that didn't come out, by the way, were R2-D2 hiding behind the CGI rocks, the oh, okay. redubbing of Boba Fett's voice with the with yes. the actor who did Jango Ugh. Fett from the original prequels, and of course, the placement of Hayden Christensen as a yes. force ghost, yep. it, it, among the many disastrous things that happen at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, Return of the Jedi, for a movie that would seem to not have that many changes at first glance, and then you realize, no, it, 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 I think it fares the worst of all of the movies in terms of the changes that they made. Yeah. 
there are lots it felt of like they tried the hardest to because I feel like maybe they felt like that was the one they were most dissatisfied with or that George was most dissatisfied with. And so it felt like he tried tried really hard to like make it better. And it was like you overcompensate. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or everybody wanted to get hired for the prequel. So they're trying to outdo each other. <laughs> this is right. Yeah. Before no. the be, be the yes, 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 man. You could possibly be. But enough about Rick McCallum. The two things <laughs> I had that didn't get mentioned were the uh, to, to David's point out the Moss Eisley changes, the Empire changes in Cloud City, where they're running around the all these suddenly outdoor car- the corridors, which is just, again, unnecessary. Um, and then there's that weird scene that they shove in an empire where he says, bring my shuttle. And it always felt like that just, it just totally ruins the pacing. Yeah. I, I, that was some unused footage from return of the Jedi. They just, just like, oh, well we got, we, uh, got an extra shuttle landing. Let's just put it in here. Cause we need to make sure the audience knows how he got back up to the ship. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, it's terrible. It's such a bad scene just because it ruins what, again, like what is probably the best, you know, and most coherent of all three of them. Like it is the most it's tightly edited like empire and so shoving that in there all of a sudden you just get like whiplash because you're like wait what i was i was engaged in like the what's going on down there speaking of empire one of the obscure things that i had on my list is the change of the line when r2 gets spit out by the the creature in dagobah uh and the original line is dorky comedy totally in fitting with that whole setting which is you're lucky you don't taste very good which is true he probably doesn't taste very good and they replace that with you were lucky to get out of there which is not a joke, uh, and is worse. It doesn't. It that again. That is just totally befuddling. It's like they spent effort on that. What's the part that I can't? No, no, they didn't, David. They did not. <laughs> they're like, they're like you're, you're, at least not on the I writing. Mean, it, it's almost as if they're trying to say, like, do we have any jokes that are corny and and don't land? We should fix those. And they misidentified one that is. It's it lands just fine. It lands as well as every other line in Dagobah. And they said, we need to fix that. Instead of punching it up, they basically got, you know, someone to come in and punch down the script. Can, can you punch that down? Sure. How about you were lucky to get out of there? Yes, that's punch down. Good. Replace it. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers like me. I sleep on one of these. It eliminates commission-driven and inflated prices. It's an award-winning sleep surface that was developed in-house. It has a sleek design, and it's delivered in a small box, so small that you will say, how did they do that? The answer is vacuum technology, I think, something like that. It involves sucking all the air out, and it fits in a box. And then you open it, and whoosh, it expands back to its normal size. In addition to that that mattress, though, that Casper's famous for, they also offer an adaptive pillow, which I have as well, and soft, breathable sheets. I've got those too. Boy, yeah, it's all good stuff. It really is. An in-house team of engineers at Casper spend thousands of hours developing the mattress. It's got springy latex and supportive memory foams, creating a sleep surface that's got just the right sink, just the right bounce. And it's a breathable design, so it sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. Mattresses often cost a lot of money, well over $1,500. Casper mattresses start at $500 for a twin, $750 for full, $850 queen, up to nine fifty for a king. Buying a Casper mattress, completely risk-free. If you've thought to yourself, well, these Casper mattresses sound good, but you know what? I don't want to buy a mattress on the internet. That would be crazy. Don't worry about it. Casper has free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. Sleep on it for three months. And if you decide at any point you don't like it, let Casper know. They will take it away and give you your money back. It is that simple. So, 
an obsessively ma- engineered mattress, a shockingly fair price, a great feel, free shipping, and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, they will take it away, and you have lost nothing. Made in America, it is Casper. It is a great sleep surface. Try it out now. You'll get $50 toward any mattress purchase if you go to casper.com slash Snell and use offer code Snell. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to Casper for sponsoring The Incomparable. All right, let's move on to round two. In this round, we will be picking the worst retcon. Anything that was stated in a film made later that changes our understanding of something that came before. And to kick us off this time, it'll be Joe Steele. Okay, so there are a lot of changes uh, that I disagree with. And uh, things that just reaching back altered... Uh, something that I really enjoyed. And one of those things is the origin story for C-3PO. Uh, I, I don't know why Anakin needed to build him. Uh, I don't know why having him in all three of the first movies and then wiping his mind and then saying he was there the whole entire time, but not really. And then having R2-D2 along and not wiping R2-D2's mind. And so he knows all this stuff too. And it's just like, this is a really strange choice. Uh, it, it really... A, really bothered me because i actually really like c-3po and i know that he's not anyone's favorite character except for probably me but uh it it just it didn't work and the rod puppet was ridiculous and the reasons that he made a protocol droid for his enslaved mother are not existent yeah yeah so i I, that was my pick that's that was my number one pick too i was surprised uh, someone else added boy that was my number one c-3po is an explicable origin no, it's not good. And nobody remembers. Now when you watch the original trilogy, anytime C-3PO says something like, thank the maker as he's sinking into that oil bath. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Talk about Darth <laughs> Vader. But it does, it does give you all these hilarious conspiracy theories. Like there's a scene in Empire where, uh, you know, uh, Boba Fett goes to shoot Chewie when he's freaking out in the uh, carbonite chamber. And, and Darth Vader like pushes his gun down. And I had a friend suggest to me like, no, it's because he recognizes C-3PO and he doesn't want him to shoot C-3PO. The stormtrooper's already shot. I know, but he's alive at that point. So yeah. it's like, it's like that's, that's a great conspiracy theory. All right, C-3PO. I, I agree. It was on my list, too. Yeah. Monty, what uh, what's your bad retcon? Uh, well, C-3PO's okay, but I like R2-D2. You know what I like about R2-D2? He's this cool robot who rolls around everywhere, and he can do a lot of things. Oh, and by the way, it turns out he can fly. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been flying this whole time. Yeah, I mean, that, he could have avoided that whole problem John was talking about with the yeah. creature in the swamp. All he had to do is hit the jets. He was, out, he was out of fuel. They never refilled him. Yeah, maybe he was just broken. He, well, maybe he was like, uh, C-3PO, we're going to wipe your mind. And R2-D2, like, give us the rocket pack. <laughs> he's like the DB-5 in, uh, in James Bond. He's got oil slicks. He's got uh, booster rockets. I think he, when he rolls along, tacks come out behind him. By the time you get to Clone Wars, the cartoon, which is still canon, he's flying all the time. And I have to assume he just completely ran out of rocket fuel just before Episode Four which is why he couldn't just fly over all those sand dunes and avoid all the Jawas. R2-D2's ability to fly affects a lot of scenes. Yeah. 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 All right, John, what's a bad retcon? I don't know if you're going to disqualify this as not a retcon, but I think it does. <laughs> I have a little bit of supporting evidence. Uh, in the much-hated uh, prequels, Padme dies during childbirth pretty inexplicably of a broken heart of sadness yeah. losing the will to live whatever yep. that's what the robot um, says and that's a problem because in return of the jedi leia says she remembers her mother 
just a little bit, she says. Mm -hmm. She died when I was very young. Yeah, very young, apparently. You know, what do you remember <laughs> about her? She says, just images, really, feelings. Well, she could have seen pictures of her, but she, she was very beautiful, kind, but sad. You you never spoke to her. You never knew her. And it's it's weird that if your mother died during childbirth, that they would tell you when you, you know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I consider it a retcon. And it's a dumb retcon because by the time the prequels end, we don't we don't need we, we don't need to see her die. We know that she's had these twins and they're split up and but you know, she could die. There's so many different ways you can die and decide you're going to die, you know, because the plot says you're going to for reasons we won't get into with these terrible medical droids that could be should be sued for malpractice across the galaxy because they're so bad at their job. Yeah. It's a, it's just upsetting. You're right. That is absolutely a retcon because I've thought about that many times. And in fact, I have a pick later on in my draft board that is related to this very idea. So, yes, Ooh. yes, Leia remembers her mother. And you could argue that maybe that that's uh, that's uh, her adopted mother. If if Jimmy Smith's, let's say. No, he says he, Luke says your real mother. I says, know. What do you remember about that's your mother? Right. Your real mother. It's you. Yeah, you, it doesn't you make any it. sense. Nailed it. Absolutely agree, hundred percent. Plus, the Padme stuff in Episode Three is terrible um, on so many different levels, and and in this case, totally unnecessary and uh, con contradicts the canon. What the heck? Yep, that was that was also on my list. All right, David, what's your retcon? There's one big giant bullseye that I'm surprised is still on the board, but I'm going to leave it on the board because the one that drove me crazy was uh, retconning Boba Fett. Yeah. Did did was was Boba Fett too cool? Did did we have to like give him this huge tragic backstory and make him a, a sad little whiny kid upset at the the Jedi for decapitating his dad? <laughs> well, wait a minute. W whiny seems a little harsh. I'd be sad if that happened. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. But but did we need to see that? Isn't it okay for him to just be a bounty hunter? I mean, Boba Fett, Boba Fett barely lived up to his hype in the original movies because, you know, he gets, he gets, like, he, he gets knocked into the, um, Sarlacc. Goodness, the Sarlacc. Thank you. Um, you know, how, how pathetic is that? He has like one really cool moment in the original movies, but now, now, you know, he's just, oh, <sighs> let me tell you. By the way, just as an aside, since we've been talking about retcons and changes, of all the things they did in Return of the Jedi, how the hell did they not show a shot of Boba Fett uh, crawling out of the Sarlacc at the end? <laughs> right! Like, that's right. a change everybody wanted to see. They don't do that. Boba Fett, does he need a tragic backstory? Can he not just be a bounty hunter? Does he have to have a past <laughs> that's intertwined with the rest of everybody in the universe who's in this movie? No. No, he doesn't. David Sparks, what's your uh, worst retcon? Well, thanks, David. I think you uh, you helped me out by not picking the obvious one. Because when I was nine years old, <laughs> when this movie came out, I believed that I had the force inside of me. I'm mm -hmm. almost certain I moved a spoon. I certainly tried <laughs> enough. And um, I always felt like it was this mystical thing. And turns out, you just need a blood test. And if you got these midi-chlorians, then you have the force. And if not, tough luck, buddy. That just crushed me when I saw that. <laughs> that that was the point for me in episode one where I went from, well, maybe this will get better to, no, this is going to be a terrible experience for me. <laughs> and I I have never recovered from that. Why on earth did they do that? Why, why did they have to put a blood test in for the force? Add a little so layer of science on your totally magic thing that's still totally magic. 
but now it has some science on top of the magic. <laughs> I hate the midichlorians so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, in my mind, I, I just pretend they don't exist. And I bet yeah. you're never going to hear the word again in any of its new movies. I didn't have that on my list. Not, not that I'm a big midichlorian defender, but logically speaking, it made some sense to me uh, in that the force is strong in my family is a whole big thing. It's inherited. So if, if there, you know, it sounds like there should be a genetic component to it. Otherwise, why would it follow family lines? And it also makes some vague kind of sense that in this earlier age, when there were more Jedi around and it wasn't so mysterious, that they had a better handle on, hey, this force is strong in your family and it's an inherited thing. Do we know how that works? Eh, kind of. The age isn't that much earlier. It's only like 18 years earlier. <laughs> You've got like Harry Potter, right? Where like you have bloodlines that have like wizarding powers. Yeah. And in some ways that's done better than it's done yeah. here because here they try to apply science yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the worst thing about it, I think, is that it's it's brought into the story as a more concrete version of what you already knew that it's hereditary, but they never do anything with it. Nope. It's not as if that is pivotal to the rest of the story that it's that it's important that in this universe we in this uh phase of history we know exactly how this works and it sees midichlorians because that's not that's not part of the plot at all it's just like hey we can nail this down further and then move on with our dumb story i just feel like it would have been so much better if it didn't exist it just doesn't add anything i'd rather it be so mysterious that it's not measurable it's something you you know people that can wield the force can feel it in other people but you can't take a blood test i i don't know just quantifying it just offends me at so many levels. I'm surprised they didn't uh, show that scene in The Force Awakens where when Rey arrives at the Rebel base, she's immediately given a blood test for midichlorians. Strangely, <laughs> that didn't seem to happen. Uh, Dan, what's your choice for worst retcon? Uh, well, a lot of the, good, the ones that are on my list have been taken off the table, but I'm going to pick one that's a little weird, um, but it bothered me a little bit. And that is the total inconsistency and lack of understanding about Force ghosts. Um, which is this thing, right, in the in the original trilogy, you know, Obi-Wan dies, his body disappears, he shows up later as a ghost. Yoda dies, his body disappears, shows up later as a ghost. Darth Vader dies. All right, well, we don't really know what happens there. It's kind of weird, but he still shows up later as a ghost. Barbecue. Yeah, the, bo- the body's gone, only the suit is being cooked at that point, I guess. Right. Yeah, I guess it's just, uh, you want to you wanna, you wanna barbecue your suit, I guess. Uh, Qui-Gon dies in episode one, and not so much anything happens with that. Uh, and as I recall, it was the time there was this whole question about it. And they're like, oh, Qui-Gon actually is the one who figures out like he can become a force ghost. And you'll see that later. It never gets gone back into in nope. the in the prequels. It gets alluded to in Clone Wars, I believe. Um, and even then and, and in Rebels, I think a little bit, too, maybe. And it, even then, it doesn't entirely make sense. Um, and so it, it's kind of weird because you have this whole idea and I guess they decided, well, why aren't there a million Jedi ghosts running around all the time? Um, which does seem to present its own problems. Um, but I always felt like it just bothered me that they were like, all the Jedi in the original trilogy seem to be able to do this and none of the Jedi in the, in the prequels seem to be able to do this. And what, what, why? Like, you know, again, I don't want stuff over explained like, oh, they had a really high midichlorian count. I guess they could do this. Um, but you know, the idea even that there was some sort of discipline or whatever that they learned that allowed them to do this, it's just, it, it's weird. It's weird and inconsistent. And I felt like they tried to say, oh, no, no, we totally know why that is. And then like never actually explained why it was. So, well, I realize that's a little nitpicky, but it was either that or their pronunciation of Coruscant, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> One and kind of a related retcon for me with the Force Ghosts is, you know, why is it in the new Return of the Jedi that, you know, why is it Alec Guinness and old Yoda 
and Hayden Christensen. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Why isn't it Ewan McGregor? corrupted, David, obviously. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, questions about, like, if you lose your arm in real life and then you become a force mm-hmm. ghost, do you get your arm back that I think are left uh, are left unanswered? But the, having And young if you Hayden die in the game, do you die in, <laughs> in real life? This is, guys, this is all covered in that youngling Jedi class. Okay, good, good. Ah. I, I think the reality is that Lucas didn't really know what to do with the, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you, po- you could possibly imagine, and uh, was like, yeah, we'll yeah. just uh, finesse that and not talk about yeah. it that much. He doesn't seem yeah. that powerful. He all he can powerful. do is voiceovers. Yeah, he whispers at people. Well, That's his power. He's very inspirational. Do you feel like he's dissing Anakin's imagination there? He's like, yeah, <laughs> you, you suck at imagining, yeah. though. You're going to be a ghost whispering in Luke's ear? Yeah, okay, you got me. That that's well, pretty he was much it. pivotal to the for the trench run, sure. you know, because Luke, in theory, would have missed if he had just tried to use the computer. So Ben's like, I'm, I'm just trust <laughs> okay. me on this. I'm really okay, powerful John, now. If you strike me down, I will become more pivotal than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> exactly. It was just, it was just a mistranslation. <laughs> there was no way Obi Wan was going to fit in the X wing behind Luke whispering to him. Like, so he had to be a yeah. ghost in order for that to work. But his Yikes. his force ghost helped it go into the right spot too. That's, oh, that's that was all. Luke. That was all Luke. Luke, you, <laughs> no, you gotta slow the film down. You can see ghostly Alec Guinness out there pushing the torpedo sideways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'd also argue that him getting him to Yoda was super important too. Sure. But oh yeah, the, he that does was things, more of a he phone he kind of phoned that one. And he's like, go to Dagobah system. I'm out. Vastly power, <laughs> vast power more than you can imagine, but not really. Um, Anyway, uh, here's mine. Uh, a lot of good choices here. I think the one that I'm going to go with that's left on the board is uh, in the original trilogy, uh, Obi-Wan tells uh, Luke, um, your father was a great pilot when I met him. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. a, a serious implication that Obi-Wan meets uh, Anakin Skywalker when they are young men. And then episode one comes and yippee, (laughs) not only do they meet when he's just a little kid, but that little kid now, because of that dialogue, has to already be a great pilot from which we get pod racing and the accidental launch of the spaceship that he flies around and all these other completely ridiculous things that happen, completely ruining the idea that they met as young men and he was already an established pilot at that point. And instead, now he's a child prodigy slave kid from a desert planet who somehow has become a great pilot because mid, maybe midi-chlorians. I don't know. Maybe they work that way. On his day off from being a slave, he takes flying lessons. Clearly. <laughs> Plus, it totally screws the... Ewan McGregor kind of ends up screwing with it a little bit because he's clearly supposed to be much younger in episode one than he actually is, right? Like, I think he's supposed to be like a teenager, essentially. Yeah. Because they're, they, when he gets older, they he and, and Anakin end up being more like peers. Right. Uh, and yet, if, if Ewan McGregor is his actual age there, which is probably like 30, probably, like, it doesn't really make any <laughs> sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Amidala's age. It goes back to Luke, yeah. Lucas's misguided concept for episode one, which was, oh, let's show Anakin when he's like uh, an eight-year-old kid. And it's just a huge, it's a huge mistake and everything else comes out of that decision. But this is an example where like, it's very clear in dialogue. You can, you can fake it. And so they did fake it, but there's no way that this is what was intended and what was supposed to be in people's minds when, uh, uh, when that dialogue is in the first movie. Hate it. Hate it. Yep. Let's move on to round three. In this round, I'm going to ask you to pick something that's dumb in the original trilogy, uh, and and I, I'm going to specify before it was meddled with, something that's original to the original trilogy that you think maybe is not so good. Monty, 
Now, people have internalized justifications for this, but they are wrong. Okay. When Han Solo says the Millennium Falcon made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, that is not because he was good at navigating near black holes. That wasn't because he was delivering to moving ships. It's because George Lucas doesn't know what a parsec is. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure he does now, and I do kind of respect the way they – they put the Kessel Run and 12 Parsecs line into The Force Awakens just to jab at people like me. <laughs> but it's just a fundamental mistake. And for all the times they've messed with the dialogue to fix things, they could have fixed this. It's just dumb. Parsecs are distance, not time. Yeah, it's, if they had fixed that, I would have been one of the things I complained about them. Fixing the original <laughs> yeah. I know. There's no pleasing everybody. I agree. Especially me. It's just sort of too too late to fix it it's become kind of iconic which is why it's great that they do yeah. that reference in the force awakens um but yeah anybody who knows anything about like astronomy knows parsecs is a uh, distance it's uh but but the retcon time. like the retcon is the nerdiest of all retcons because it can be retcon because you can say well you just assume that the run that what you want to do on a run is you do it in the least amount of time, but that's that's you know that's just your assumption. In fact, and then they you know they yeah, but, it and, and explain it away, right? Would Luke know all the details of that? Clearly, Harrison Ford learned this line phonetically and assumed <laughs> <laughs> that it made sense. My own headcanon is that he says it, and Obi Wan gives him this look like, yeah pull the other one like he's testing them to see how much they actually know about flying in a spaceship mm. but mm. i realize that is a totally headcanon yeah obi-wan and chewie are old pals so they, they don't even need that whole yeah. scene <laughs> oh my god oh god oh, why no. i forgot to pick that one. No. okay john uh something that's dumb in the original trilogy i actually had trouble trying to think of this because i have so many good feelings <laughs> Shocking, about the john. original trilogy that like i mean because it's phrased as dumb right yeah and so there's not much that's Dumb in well, the original you know, trilogy, except interpreted uh, as you, you like know, a, a handful of things. But anyway, the, the dance, uh, the uh, robot could be a robot. You never know. So just yeah. take a shot. My number one is uh, no medal for Chewie. Yep. Uh, and why oh, is that dumb? Yeah. Um, so there's there's the obvious thing of like, look, there's a certain number of people who are up there on the stage who were pivotal in the victory here, and they're getting medals. And Chewie is there, and he's important. He's the co-pilot of Millennium Falcon that was pivotal to the victory, right? He let Luke take the shot, but no medal for him. And it just kind of feels kind of uh, not racist, but specious, whatever the word yep. is for, for space uh, racism, you know, spacist. Yeah. Space racism, spacist. you know, right. Um, but more broadly, like no medal for Chewie is, is the, the, the capsule summary of this, but more broadly at the end of a new hope, it's a celebratory ending. Cause you're supposed to feel happy that they blew up the death star. But to end it in a medal ceremony is a little on the nose. Like, like <laughs> a lot of people died during the, the assault on the Death Star, and the rebels are victorious. But it is is the right note to be like, forget about all those people that died. Reward the two heroes of the movie with like with medals. Like, and they're so happy to get the medals, and they're just smiling. And I mean, it should be a little bit more. So I'm not saying they should have like a downer ending, like oh, all the rebels have died, like because we have Empire for that. But uh, just just thinking about the medal ceremony in general made me think that. But if you're going to have a medal ceremony, Chewie gets one. He's standing right there. Put it around his neck. Also, it's not like they've even won the whole war, right? Like, it's kind of it's kind of celebrating before 
before they really put the capper on it. Well, they're millennials. They need to get rewarded after every victory. <laughs> you did such a good job blowing up that Death Star. But the Death Star could kill a planet. I, I think they are entitled to a little ceremony. Little ceremony. I just feel like it's at odds with them being like a scrappy little rebellion. They've got like everybody lined up. They've got this very <laughs> like procedure, this protocol. They've taken the time to make metals. Can't they melt that down and use it for war material in some sort? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It was like going to going to like a, the school play, but your kid's not in it, and you just got to stand there at attention for the whole time. When she slowly puts the medals around these two people's necks, and uh, they, I guess they don't get the chewy because everyone just wants to leave. Chewy should at least get a participation trophy. The solemn memory of uh, like memorial for those who died in the mission that happened before we we cut to that <laughs> scene, the slideshow right? showing Porkins, you know. Yeah, <laughs> did that already. <laughs> Please hold hold your applause till the end. Didn't Chewie probably fire the laser shot that sent Darth Vader spinning away from the Death Star? I, I think yeah, so. What yes. sent him spinning away was the was other TIE fighter yeah, oh, okay. to the laser shot. The laser right. shot. It's oh, a, but it was a bank okay. shot. It was a bit of a bank shot. Wait, so. The laser hit one TIE fighter. Then the uh-huh. other TIE fighter saw that his friend had swerved off course, and he freaked out and bumped into Darth Vader. Yep. Gotcha. Brilliant. Boy, he, Darth Vader was a much better pilot when he was a young kid. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out. <laughs> All right, David, something that's dumb in the original trilogy. Well, my, my wife, because I, I sent all of these to my wife, because she was always the bigger Star Wars fan in the house. And, and of course, the prequels killed that. She's totally done now. And uh, But I said, you know, here, here are some things. And her, her first reaction was Ewoks. And I said, no, I'm not saying Ewoks. Um, no, my my... One dumb thing is, is again, Boba Fett's lameness. I mean, even in the original trilogy, you know, all the hype we had for him and, and all of all of when he really acts cool, all of when he's really effective is in the holiday special in the cartoon. And in the movies, he's pretty much he's standing around. He gets his orders. He's standing around again. He doesn't exactly capture anybody. And then he gets knocked into the Sarlacc pit. You're selling him short. He Empire, he has his time in the sun. He, they have a group of bounty hunters who are tasked with this. And the group of bounty hunters presumably goes out to try to do what they're all tasked with doing. But he's the only one who knows that, he's, that Han Solo is going to float away with the garbage. He is as clever. He is his uh, worthy adversary for Han. But the only thing he did was hide in the garbage in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't actually capture anybody. When they get to Cloud City, there's Vader. You know, I mean, there's no. Yeah, well, you know, he did his job. Was no one else could find him, and he was smart. It shows him being the, the smartest and most capable of the bounty hunters. And uh, Jedi, yeah, totally undercuts that. But and then he gets knocked into a monster by a blind guy. He actually just accidentally <laughs> parked his ship in the garbage chute. It was just it was really just lucky <laughs> they found him. <laughs> All right, Boba Fett is, uh, yeah, you know, in Return of the Jedi, he's not so great. He is, he's good in Empire. Sparky, what is your pick? Um, like John, I love these movies so much, these original movies. This was a hard one for me, too. But because I watch them often, there's one logic problem I have every time I watch the movie. They leave the Death Star, and Leia says, they're tracking us. That was too easy. So then let's go straight to the Rebel hideout. Yep. <laughs> I mean, why did they do that? Why didn't they go get a different ship? Or, you know, I don't understand why if you knew they were tracking you, you went straight to the play, the last place in the universe you want them to find. No one listens to women. That's why. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're tracking us. Yeah. Okay. All right. I anyway. think about that every time because the whole reason the Death Star is about to blow up their, their moon is because they went back there. They let them there. And they know it. And they know it. And they still go back there. Well, the only one who knows it, though, is Leia. And she is not able to convince the others. She says, you call that easy? It's because it's don't the third act. Her. I think that's it. It's because it's the third act. 
They should have just gone somewhere and like retired, settled down on a nice little moon. Well, they could they could have like uh, ditched <laughs> the, the rebellion. Go do its ditched thing. the Falcon briefly and uh, or searched it or deactivated whoa, whoa, the whoa. tracker. Ditch the Falcon, yeah. Oh, yeah or if she just said, "Come on, park it somewhere in a junkyard and then get it back later." I don't know. <laughs> or if she just planet, said that was too so. easy, but didn't go the extra step of saying they're well, tracking us. So even if they didn't believe her, once they arrived at the rebel base and Leia is, if not in charge, at least one of the the big wigs in command, she could have said, now that we've landed, please have your tech crews come on board and search for tracking devices. Yeah. I mean, but it's probably too late at that point. Too late, right? at least, late. You know. Well, it's not too late because apparently the, the Death Star can go from system to system, but once it gets to the system, it takes at least, what, 10, 15 minutes yeah. to get in, in sight of the rebel Well, hyperspace base. is not precise like that. Well, there's an intern who jumped them into the wrong side of the system. That was oh, the real Right, problem. and it's like, oh, it's going to take <laughs> us, like, what, at least 25 minutes to, to be inside of the rebel base. Just enough time for a trench run, right, guys? Uh, Dan, what's a dumb thing from the original trilogy? All right. Okay. I had a lot of trouble with this one, too. Yeah, we're making it hard. Monty suggested this because he's a monster, and I think it's a good <laughs> exercise for everyone. He's on Monty's on my monster list now. It's Because true. I feel <laughs> bad for the special editions and the prequels, which had many people working on them, and all they get is dumped on. I want the old movies dumped on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's what I came up with. It's actually fairly a big one, um, but I think, and maybe people will be a little divided on this, but I think the, the thing that bothers me one of the most about the original trilogy is the Luke Han Leia love triangle. Yeah, that's on my list. <laughs> for for exactly the reasons I think we all like realize, which is that George Lucas once again did not know what he was setting out to do uh when he started this off. And so yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense to have Luke, you know, catapulted across the galaxy by this, you know, beautiful young woman, etc. But like the whole especially when that it goes up a notch in Empire um with the kiss like it, it, it for everybody who's seen like the first time i guess you watch that you'll be like oh that's fine like not knowing what's coming next but the million times that you rewatch it after that it's just awkward every single time and i it's not even that convincing of a love triangle because like honestly once that part passes like nobody's really under any illusions that leia's going to end up with anybody other than han solo i feel like um and you know, it provides some tension towards the end, but like, you know, that even that last scene where Leia explains to Han that Luke is his brother, like, and he sort of like starts smiling, but at the same time, you feel like he maybe should be a little bit more disturbed about it. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it struck me as, as a note, and I understand, you know, this is a saga. There's supposed to be romance and epic, and, and you know, I think it's unnecessary. Um, I think that they could have been executed in a way that did not necessarily leave you with that awkward taste in your mouth at the end uh, of the of the trilogy. And so I also don't think it provides anything super interesting in terms of Luke and Han's characters when it comes to that. Like, I, I don't think, you know, it provides enough tension that it feels like it, it provides interesting drama. It just sort of provides a weird obstacle that seems very artificial. Uh, and you know, most of all, as I said, like George Lucas did clearly didn't plan this one up front. It feels like, and so it makes for some very awkward, uh, awkward scenes. And I can never stop imagining this, like just thinking about the, uh, the splinter of the mind's eye book in which oh, like, yeah. Luke is like daydreaming about it. Oh, so it makes it so awkward. So very awkward. So I feel like there's a better way to execute on on some of the ideas that need to happen from this without having to get us involved in this really, really awkward love triangle. Well, it's like it's, I can give it a pass in episode four, but by episode five, they should have had it all figured out and they should have known that doesn't make sense. Should have done a blood test, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you have yeah, a lot of midichlorians kind of and you're yeah, related. I, 
And it's only briefly, it's only kind of alluded to in Empire, right? Because it's just the Yoda, there is another line. He doesn't find out she's actually his sister until... Yeah, but Obi-Wan don't you think that helps him. a lot? Like, that's the, I think that helps me a lot, is that, like, that the the revelation, the, the kissing and the revelation don't happen in the same movie, that they, they have the first movie where you got nothing. They got the second movie where you got kissing and a reference, but still, still nothing. And then they wait to the whole third movie, which, yes, does ripple backward in time, make you think the kiss is creepy, but it's way better to ripple back in time from 1983 to 1980 to ripple back from, you know, uh, two hours into the movie to 30 minutes. The problem is Obi-Wan is there the whole time and knows all of this. And doesn't tell them, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of, guys, come on. I agree, Dan. Well, you know, he's a force ghost, but he's got places to go, too. I mean, he's not there all the time. He doesn't have have time for that extra sentence. Go to Dagobah. By the way, Leia's your sister. He he was on his way to the supermarket. He's like, oh, wait, I got to stop off here. You know, you must go to the Dagobah system. Okay, I'm I'm going to the supermarket. R2 could have told them. Once he knows, once Luke knows... He sits on that information yeah. while they go off on their mission. <laughs> it's just like, okay, uh, yeah, just ask me about it again sometime. Well, yeah, well, that's that's why when Han finds out, you know, he's my brother, his first question should have been, okay, how long have you had this information? Have you, <laughs> yeah. have you known this the entire time I've known you, or did you find out like three scenes ago? Because that's important, I think. As for Obi-Wan, maybe he had a really attractive sister, too. We don't know. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, Joe, <laughs> tell me something that's dumb in the original trilogy. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I I'm just gonna go with something probably doesn't bother a lot of people, but uh, Luke's Luke's plan to rescue Han at the beginning of Return of the Jedi doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense to me when I try to diagram out the order of how these things were supposed to go, uh, including the part where uh, Lando and Chewbacca went to uh Jabba's palace and C3PO even has a line at the beginning like though they never return from this awful place only Chewbacca's not there and he seemingly never was but Lando infiltrated it and then Chewbacca comes later and so now Luke is risking four of his friends and then Leia also comes in and then Luke finally also comes in and it's just like this seems really dangerous for a lot of reasons uh because there there's all kinds of things that could have happened somebody could have tripped and fell and died you don't you don't know it it was it's really precarious from a logic perspective uh Jabba could have just had enough of C-3PO and and killed him like pretty abruptly he hits him a couple times but uh it, it it doesn't seem like this was well thought out at all it just seems like the kind of thing you would construct if you just wanted to like keep bumping up the uh the tension for w- how dire the straits were getting for them and, and that's what Jedi do <laughs> it just <laughs> that's why there aren't very many of them left it's a really bad plan well part of the plot point is that luke is overconfident at this point he is he is cocky as compared to him at his low point in empire when he comes into jedi he's like he is totally he's talking down to everybody there like you don't know what i can do and you know he finds out pretty quickly that he's in over his head he goes into the rancor pit and everything like that but I feel like that's part of the thing that he's got this big elaborate plan kind of a he gets rewarded for his bad behavior, though, because everything kind of works out in the end. <laughs> well, he is a pretty powerful Jedi and he had did have a reasonable good planning and backup plans, right? He's got a lot of people, a lot of skilled people in motion here. He's got his lightsaber hidden in R2. You know, he's got backup plans that, you know, he doesn't his number one plan of negotiating doesn't work. His number two plan of just killing Jabba doesn't work, but he's got many backups. So I don't think it was that poorly executed, but I think. It goes badly is part of the idea that Luke maybe is a little overconfident. 
Now, R2, eventually I'm going to be on a diving board. Here's what yeah. I want you to do. <laughs> exactly. R2 could have just flown the lightsaber over to him at any point. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it, that, that part strains credulity because it's just like, so he knew that he would need to go up to the top of the sailing barge right then and fire the well, lightsaber. Did, R2's paying attention to what's going on. Don't do anything to take away from R2 shooting the lightsaber up in the air and him catching off the diving board because that is a pivotal moment in my childhood and you can't take that away from me. <laughs> Amen. Come on, tell me that's not cool. It's cool. Oh, it's cool. It's just, it's it's cool. Awesome. It's it's just a terrible plan. I, I, I just, you know, when you think about it, I just wonder who built the astromech droid with a lightsaber ejector attachment is all. Luke had actually planned to be a Jabba swimming pool, and mm. like that was what the whole plan <laughs> was, was originally the idea. Uh, R2 can also serve drinks, too, so he has a lot of attachments. All right, uh, let me give you mine, and then we'll... And then we'll move on to the next category. Uh, mine uh, may be slightly controversial, but here it is. So Yoda, you know, in, in Empire Strikes Back, everybody loves Yoda. They, and they made a puppet, and everybody likes Yoda. It's a puppet character, but it's pretty cool. They did a great job. And I feel like maybe they said, this is great. You know what we should do? Let's have more puppets. Let's put more puppets into Return of the Jedi. And I think there are too many yeah. puppets in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Uh, also, there's some there's yep. some people in suits too. Like I think Admiral Akbar is more of a guy in a in a suit than he is a puppet. So I'm okay with it. But the one <laughs> Akbar is not a puppet. He's not even close to a no. Puppet. He's a guy in a suit. He is act. He is a he is a puppet. Is he a puppet? I thought he was more. Yeah, he's part. He's at he is at least kind I think of fifty percent puppet. Yeah. yeah, his head is clearly he's puppet, more puppet than he is man. A person's hand up there. <laughs> okay, so, so well, no, but someone is, someone is operating okay. lots of parts you, you, of the Akbar you guys, machinery. Okay, you guys are deconstructing my intro, so let me continue. <laughs> but the Weird. one, how could that not, happen? Jason? But the Uh-oh. one, we'll get there, John. But the one that gets me is uh, Lando's co-pilot, Nian Num, <laughs> on the, on the, in the exciting battle of Endor, where we've got a really stupid-looking puppet in the co-pilot seat of the Millennium Aww. Falcon. No. No, 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 no. Make it somebody, I, you know, make it something better than a dumb puppet. So I think that that's the, that's what I, I say is the dumb thing from the uh, from the original trilogy. Uh, dumb puppet in the co-pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon. I Do you just no. mean articulated faces, like his little motor moving his little lip? Because I'm pretty sure that's a guy, you know, yeah. dressed up with a thing on his head. Yeah, I think that's that guy's more man than puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Both a puppeteer and a costumed actor during the film. Good lord. Jason, I bet you wouldn't give him a medal either, would you? I would not give him a medal. Tune clarifying. in next week for Puppet or Not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't I, I never like that character. I think he looks dumb and I don't want him in that seat. And I don't know why they did it, other than that they thought, hey, it's Star Wars. We got lots of weird puppets slash people in suits. Let's have more of those. And that's fine, but that's not you, a good you one. You need someone for Lando to talk to. And to talk back sure. in the same way that Chewie does, which is, uh, you know, indecipherably. Action <laughs> figures. Yeah. It, and uh, there's that episode of Venture Brothers where they conjure Nian Nub from a trading card. So yeah. he went on to have a prestigious career after this. I don't like him. <laughs> wow. There it is. I said it. Uh, let's move on to round four. An item from ancillary media, something that's not uh, the mainline films that you just can't take. John? All right. You would think that I'm going to pick the holiday special, which is terrible, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll leave that for somebody else to talk about. What I'm going to pick, item from the ancillary media that you just can't take, I'm going to select the prequels. Because I consider them ancillary <laughs> media, <laughs> yep. and they are crap. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Big swing. Enough said. We've already done three episodes about yeah, them. Yeah, we've done a lot of episodes about it. And I think the key point is that viewing them as ancillary media is the, is the stance of most original trilogy fanatics. 
All right, I'll allow it because why not? Uh, why not, David? Uh, I'm gonna take kind of a similar view and just say all of the novels. I just, I have, I have a rebuttal on my turn. I, there's just not a single novel that was satisfying all the way through, or interesting, or sounded right. It, it, every one of them, just, and I read too many of them. I, I didn't learn. Um, even, even the ones that are quote unquote the good ones can't stand them. The the Thrawn trilogy can't stand it. I'm sorry, it's just stupid. David, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the only novel that amuses me at all is Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but it's not because it's good. Did you read the, any of the collections of short stories, like Tales from Mos Eisley or Tales from uh, Jabba's Palace, that give backstories to all the people in there? I did not read those, but I have heard good things about them, and they're not novels. Right. They're not novels. Ah, he's got you there. Ah. Yeah, they start over every few oh. pages. It's helpful. All right, uh, David Sparks, <laughs> uh, ancillary item you can't take. Um, well, I'm going to talk about books a little bit more. The uh, I, I like some of the novels, and especially during what I call the Dark Ages, where you know there was no Star Wars for a very long time, the Timothy Zahn novels actually I thought were great because it was new Star Wars, and I was very hungry for new Star Wars. But the problem was I started reading them all and I got into some that were just terrible. And the ones that stand out to me as the absolute worst ever written about Star Wars was the Yuzong Vong novels. <sighs> and I don't know if anybody here went that deep into the stack as I did, but the uh, they're, they're just horrible. It's a it's like a villain from another galaxy. It, it, it almost it's like a bad Star Trek episode imposed on star wars and i don't even want to talk about the details of it but i I read two or three of them and i said no more no more while i read this so uh if you're out there and you're thinking about the yuzan von novels i would get rid of them Uh, an enlightening or a happy moment is that i just looked it up on wikipedia and said when star wars canon was changed yuzan vong were rendered non-canon so now they have been um uh, removed Soviet style from Star Wars. I, I I should amend the Han Solo novels from the late seventies <laughs> are not bad, but the Lando Calrissian novels those are, are great. really bad. Keep digging, David. The Dig- Lando ones are hilarious because they were super high. <laughs> Dan, okay, uh, well, hmm, now I'm trying to decide if if David basically just sniped mine. I had a specific one in mind, and I don't know if that I'm going to turn to the judge for a ruling on that one, or did he just blanket all of those? This is a silly uh, round, so just do what makes you feel good, Dan. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. So, oh, uh, like David, I read, I read many of the novels, basically, all the way through, um, and I really like the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, that has a very special place in my teenage life, because it was in that dark period where there was no more Star Wars, and I've gone back and reread those several times. I'll admit they're not the greatest in the world, but I just I love them. They are guilty pleasures. Um, I read basically everything all the way up to the very first of this new Jedi Order, as the Yuzhan Vong storyline is called. And it's a book called Vector Prime by R.A. Salvatore, who's best yeah. known for writing D&D novels. And the most egregious I read, I, I made it probably within 50 pages of the end. And at that point, <laughs> and David David probably knows exactly what I'm talking about here. At that <laughs> point, they kill Chewie. And yeah. I was so angry about that that I literally, it's at the end of a chapter, I closed the book, did not finish it, and did not read another Star Wars book for probably a decade after that. <laughs> because I was so upset that they had killed Chewbacca, who is one of my favorite characters. For like, he like saves one of 
Han's kids or something, and he's left on a planet that explodes. <laughs> it's really dumb, too. And so I got so angry about that. Like, for a long time, I, I just was not, like, reading Star Wars or even, like, I think that was, when I don't know when that came out, late 90s, I want to say, or maybe around 2000. So it was also maybe around the prequels time, and at that point, I was like, oh, I'm so done with everything. <laughs> um, so that was, like, my, my darkest part of my Star Wars history is because they killed Chewbacca. I in that novel, you, and that is why I will That's never true. read another R.A. Salvatore book ever. I've never read a Star Wars extended universe novel at all, and the extended universe books killing off Chewie was on my list because <laughs> I know that the thing that happened. I'm like, wait a second. You can't kill Chewie. You don't even count stupid extended universe books that I've never read. And the, the rationale was that, like, they wanted to, like, raise the stakes and, like, make it seem like nobody is safe. And, like, like David says, these are terrible like Star Trekky Star Wars novels that really make no sense whatsoever, and it was just a terrible decision on the Lucasfilm marketing department. Well, good news, everybody. He's alive, and all of that got winked Yay! out of existence. I was so happy about that. Yep. Joe? Uh, I'm going to pick the Ewok movies. Yeah! Um, I, I don't... <laughs> I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't even articulate the plot lines of what was what I've seen in them because I haven't gone back to watch them at all. I have recommended a couple times that you guys should do that for uh, incomparable episodes. Now that you guys did the holiday special, but you walk adventure. Uh, I, <laughs> it, it, they're 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 just they're just there's really kids. Bad. There's kids, and they have an adventure yeah. with Ewoks. No, That's what I remember. I I I don't like children in general. I especially don't like child actors and putting them in a film with little furry creatures that can't really talk. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. They're bad. They were, they were, ba- for those who don't know, they're like a TV movie made for TV movies featuring the Ewoks. I, I have memories of watching them as a kid. Well, that's what, that's what they were going for. <laughs> These little, little kids. You, you were the target audience. I can't, but I, I honestly remember very little about it at this point, even though I'm sure I saw each of those movies a couple times. Yeah, I can remember a couple of scenes here and there. I think I've seen it multiple times i must have aired it multiple times and oh, i'm sure I, I, think, I have I, remember, I think i had to tape it yeah i remember like yeah i might have had it on tape too i remember like you know being inoffensive to me as a kid but not feeling at all like star wars in any possible way which yeah. was incredibly yeah. disappointing where something advertised as being somehow related to star wars and i recognized ewoks like i get i get that connection but otherwise there was no star wars mm-hmm. in there yeah w- wicket was there you know they had warwick davis and it's just it was a waste of time yep so Narrated by Burl Ives. Of course. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Burl Ives narrating your thing. Monty, ancillary item. This is a bit of a stretch. No. But you said this is the silly round. <laughs> well, I have a sensible answer, too, if this gets rejected. But I'm going to suggest that <laughs> the word media covers a lot of different things. There's films. There's books. Is this a food item? Action figures. Specifically... You know those holes in the bottoms of the action figures right on the heel that are supposed to attach them to the playset so they stand up? Yeah, they don't work. <laughs> Chewbacca is always calling down. I'm furious at those holes. They not... work fine. What are you talking about? They don't work fine. You just jam that heel right on there. You have to put a little force into it. Maybe temperature may be a factor. I never wiggle, once wiggle it was... a little bit. Those holes are awful. Okay. <laughs> just make action figures that stand up. And I thought Dan and I were doing that. That was beyond the technology man. of the 1980s. Solid, Monty. I, I'm going to give you that one Holes. because that because I get to pick next, and that means that you can't take mine. So I am going to sweep it sweep in there, and I'm going to say yes. The Star Wars Holiday Special 
<laughs> has to be included here. But I'm not going to just pick the whole thing because that that seems like a a, a little too easy. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to also specify the fact that in the Star Wars Holiday Special, we learn that there's Wookiee porn. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Oh, yes! 34, Jason. Come on. And it's, oh, by the way, it's not porn for humans about Wookiees. It's porn for Wookiees. Yeah. Featuring humans. Featuring about, about humans? About humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little weird. Oh, yeah. Awkward. Humans are like shave Wookiees, if you think about it. <laughs> well, that's a fetish. <laughs> not wow. That's a fetish that, uh-uh. that Wookiees have. Just the first time Wookiees saw an, a, a hairless here. person, they're like, what? Quiet. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Let's move on to the next round. <laughs> Can yes. I quickly throw out the one thing I skipped over in favor of my silly choice? Oh, sure. Fine. Uh, the ending of Knights of the Old Republic 2. Oh, yeah. That's huh? awful. Or, it just or, is. or they, lack thereof. Knights of the Old Republic is a great game. Knights of the Old Republic 2 is a great game until you get to the last four hours. Then they just ran out of time and there's no game there. It's baffling. Yeah, I, I was going to – I was seriously considering picking that, but I abandoned it because I figured it didn't really influence my opinion of the original Star Wars at all because I feel like it's removed enough. But it, in terms of how it relates to the previous game, uh, it's just awful. Absolutely. Let's move on to round five. Something from the prequels. That you wish just didn't exist. David, lore. The prequels. <laughs> uh, well, okay, okay, okay. Too vague. The the dialogue. Speci- just every... All, the, all, the the silent movie. all the dialogue. <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, if I had to narrow down to, you know, specific granular dialogue, so to speak, uh, I hate sand. Sand gets in everything. I, you know, I mean, just everything... Supposedly, Tom Stoppard helped on Revenge of the Sith. No, no, he didn't. It's all horrible. Yeah, it's all horrible. Every line was at, of to be fair, he was at he was at gunpoint. The dialogue uh, <laughs> is off the board. Uh, David Sparks. Uh, there's so much. I know, but uh, you <laughs> have to so pick much. something. Uh, uh, all right. Well, one that's personal to me. I really loved Yoda in Episode Five, and the CGI Yoda. He looked bad. I didn't like his dialogue either. I mean, uh, Frank Oz once described Yoda as the Zen master who will also eat the last cookie right in front of you. And uh, I didn't get that whimsy with him in the prequels, and I didn't like the way he looked. Solid. Dan? Oh, man. Again, so many options. Uh, I think I'm going to have to take Jar Jar Binks off the table. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because uh, I think we can You're all agree the prequels would be better if Jar Jar Binks was nowhere to be found. Uh, well, we w- it would be harder. You know, we'd have to work slightly harder to hate them as much as we do. So thanks, Jar Jar, for that. But mm. otherwise, <laughs> yeah, I yes. solid I pick. he made it easy. Joe? Uh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, no. it's also, also on my list. On my list. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is all like low-hanging fruit so yeah. far. Yes, sure. yeah, but sure. it's all good. It's all good. I mean, we could do a whole episode about this, but it's just it's a fun little uh, walk through the prequels and individual items that we that we would choose. Monty, uh, younglings, both the word and the actual baby Jedi's. We don't need to see Jedi preschool. What up, my young youngs? What up, my young youngs? John, something I didn't, uh, something in the prequels you wish didn't exist. I'm going to go with couches because so many terrible <laughs> scenes in the prequels involve people sitting on couches, and if there had been no couches, at the very least, they would have had to stand and perhaps pace when talking to each other, and wouldn't have been able to just sit there on the couches and say stupid. They're things. all replaced with lazy boys. Just think of how we, if they were all on pool floats. Just think of how those scenes. Would have been. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, that would be a much better movie. That'd be great. I would love to see that that uh, the I hate sand scene replayed, but it's it's a uh, it's <laughs> Anakin sitting in the side of a pool with his legs in the water and Amidala just on a pool float out in the middle, like rolling her eyes. I would love that. 
just floating by floating in and by. out of frame. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He uses his force power to like float her the other way. <laughs> I don't know. God. All right. Here's mine. Um, Amidala is kind of awesome in episode one. And so the thing I actually wish didn't exist is how she gets sidelined and turned into the uh, the uh, passive girlfriend, especially in episode three. What a waste of the actress and uh, what a waste of the character to where she where she ends up. So that's that's the thing that I wish they that they didn't do is uh, side sideline and get us the kind of dumb, useless Amidala who we see later because uh, good actress, uh, interesting character and they blew it. That's the thing that bugs me. It rankles. Yeah, she's cool in episode two in that uh, arena fight. She's yeah, not she's got, relying she's got on Jedi to save her at all. Is it really in episode three where her character is destroyed? But then yeah. you have all the love dialogue between them. Speaking of dialogue, that's what I would pick. Their whole courtship is like just gagging. That was, yeah. that was on my list, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I put most angel? of the blame for Are that on angel? Hayden's line deliveries to her, but uh, the dialogue she's given is also not very you can't, good. You can't excuse Jake Lloyd from that one either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like people was, were, were taking Hayden Christensen because they didn't want to be mean to a kid, but Jake Lloyd, oh goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, he was also on my list of somebody had already picked Hayden Christensen. <laughs> I, just, I just dislike Hayden more. We don't have enough time to go through all the things that we didn't mention, but I'll refer you to the, like nine hours of podcasting we did about the prequels if you'd like to dip back into that and make your own list uh, a couple more rounds to go um here's another one where it's going to be a little hard but i want you to think it's been a year now what's the worst thing in retrospect in the force awakens david sparks um the thing that bugged me the most and this is a, ner- a total nerd thing is at the end after han dies and they return, and Leia standing there, and <laughs> Chewie disembarks from the Falcon, and Leia and Chewie have this super long relationship, the two people who loved Han the most, and Chewie just walks right past her, and I don't know why they did that. Instead, she's going to hug somebody who's relatively a stranger in her life, and you know, it just feels to me like that moment if they really wanted to have the scene of Leia embracing Ray, that's great. But Chewie should not have been in that scene at all. I mean, watching him walk past, I just felt like that was, it's like what this, uh, I noticed it the first time I watched the movie. I'm thinking, how did this happen? I mean, how did they not? You know what she should have done is she should have uh, like had a medal and said, this is Hans. He wanted you to have. It. <laughs> <laughs> I always said I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. And now I will. Unlike Lucas, JJ admitted that that was a mistake. Imagine that. You say, oh, we, we messed up. Sorry about that. Yeah. That, the way they shot it, they was like, oh, yeah, we, we blew that. But I agree with you, David. That's, that bugs me. Dan? Uh, I think I'm going to pick Supreme Leader Snoke, who is... A kind of a weird character. And, you know, I realize this seems a little premature because we haven't seen the other shoe drop, but I'm also not convinced that there is another shoe that could drop that I would be a fan of. <laughs> um, you know, we, we have this weird holographic creature who is uh, done by Andy Serkis and who's supposed to is very clearly sort of our emperor analogy. Uh, and I just, uh, he seems weird. It seems weird that there's this guy there that nobody knows about. Or I guess they do know about him, but they I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. And it seems one of the, you know, people accuse the Force Awakens of hewing too closely to the original Star Wars. And I feel like this is one place where, at least right now, it seems like that's a weird decision that is just clearly intended to set up a villain who is worse than Kylo Ren. And I, I just don't, there's no weight there because we have no idea who this person is. Oh, there's no weight because he's CG. 
Um, well, they need someone <laughs> to be in charge, though, because if without them, you've just got a young Kylo Ren who's kind of a mess, and you've got young, shouty Harry Potter guy who's also <laughs> seems too young to be in charge. So you need someone who's in charge. Does it have to be? A, does it have to be a holographic emperor? No, but it has to. You have to. No, someone. yeah, that's my point. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Also, the name is dumb. <laughs> And this yes. is in a franchise with a lot of dumb names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Joe, what do you think? Well, uh, Dan sniped my Snoke, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. no, are you okay? Oh. I sunk your Snoper ship! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with my, my, my backup option, uh, and that is I really hate uh, seeing the planets explode from yes. another planet. Yeah. It's not in the same system, and it makes me yep, angry. Yep, that was on my list. Well done, yep, my list that's too. That's on my list, too. I'm, I'm kind of stretching the use of in retrospect because I was furious when I was watching the film yeah, but, and those yeah, scenes were taking place. Like in moments after you saw it, then you, you didn't like yeah. it. You know, it, you know, the thing that bothers me is that this really bugs the hell out of me in, um, in Star Trek. Yep. Uh, and, and then J.J. Yeah. Abrams did it again where it's like, J.J., you can't yep. see planets yep. in other solar systems from the surface Get of a planet. a space advisor. What? Yeah. That all explode at the same time with your magical hyperspace weapon firing and splitting and oh. blowing up everything, so you can you can even see the way that it's working from the the surface of another planet through through. Atmosphere. It actually shoots view screens Stop into the it. atmosphere of a bunch of other planets <laughs> so that you can oh. see it. Monty, uh, well, I've only seen Force Awakens once, but as I remember, they spend a lot of time worrying about putting together a map of the galaxy. Not like a map of an island or something. And I don't see why they needed all the other parts when R2-D2's part is the only part that actually has where Luke is. Luckily, R2 is just sleeping until it's time for the movie to be over. And then he wakes up and says, oh, here you go. He's over there. They even say at some point, like, he probably doesn't have it, which is hilarious. I I would like R2's awakening to be a little more justified. In that I think he just wakes up because BB-8 is hanging out with him a lot. Yeah, I have some complex headcanon here, but it's entirely made up because you're right. The movie doesn't support it. Yeah, it's unmotivated. Yep. John? You just stole my R2 missing map piece one because I think that was just (laughs) needless. Um, So I'm going to go with my second one, which is much weaker, but I think it's along the same vein as the Snoke pick. Uh, Maz Kanata's castle place thing. Obviously an echo of the cantina, but I don't think it has... It doesn't have any uh, resonance either. Like, with the original, it's Luke coming into basically the big city. He's a farm boy. He comes into the big city. He's not prepared for the cantina and all the aliens and the rough characters you're going to meet there and all that business, right? He's he's out of his element. Uh, when they come to Maz's place, Han's like, oh, you know, don't look at any of this stuff. Like, he gives the same speech, like, okay, you guys probably aren't ready for this, but there's going to be, like, crazy aliens in there. But they are ready for it. I mean, Ray comes from a town that's got crazy aliens running around all the time. She's, yeah. She yeah. knows other languages. She's, I mean, not not that the little town that she's at is a big hub, but this is not a big thing to her. And the other Finn has been trained as a stormtrooper and presumably has been around the galaxy. So you miss, like, He's, yes, he shot a lot a, of people a, who look like that. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a fun gallery of lots of fun aliens, and it's an interesting setting, but as an echo of the cantina, I feel like it it, uh, it falls flat, and it's mostly there because J.J. wanted to have a cantina scene. Yeah. So now he does. It doesn't take away from the movie, but it doesn't really do anything for it either, right. I don't think. David? Dan and John kind of foreshadowed me a little bit. Um, in, in general, I would say J.J.'s mystery box, when it comes to any of J.J. Abrams' films, he only has one box. It's the same box. Please, please. Go buy some more boxes, JJ. But specifically in this, it's 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 not that it's the echoes of everything. Um, I I get 
the idea of having repeating cycles and echoes, and that's fine. It's that the echoes don't do anything interesting with that cycle, right? It it's it's pretty much following the same template. And, you know, just like going to Maza's and being, you know, hey, be be prepared and you know it's gonna be crazy in there. And then it's not crazy in there and they're ready for it. But there's no real payoff to that either. It's it, all these little echoes that don't do anything except echo. It's like I, I want a twist. I want you know if if your movie is a Rubik's cube Try and solve it. Solve it in a different way. Turn multiple ways to solve it. You know, just don't do it exactly the same way. All right. Uh, for mine, I'm going to say something that is very similar to the direction that David was pointing. I feel like we've, we've been moving in a direction here, which is quite simply, I don't think that we needed another Death Star. Mm-hmm. And Starkiller Base ultimately is just another Death Star, except it's gouged into a planet instead of built. And I appreciate the echoes, again, of of the past movies. But if you pretend the prequels don't exist, that's three out of five, no, three out of four movies, sorry. Three out of four movies that uh, have a giant planet-killing uh, weapon. Ball. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, no, I mean, I, I feel like they could have had a dangerous space weapon or some other thing on a planet that was not literally, what if the Death Star was a, a planet instead of a space station? And it bugs me. Um, not as much as what seeing... What if the Death Star were one of us? Yeah. Uh, just, what, what if Penny met a Death Star? What if Penny met a Death Star? <laughs> Honestly, Joe's pick was the one that really was at the top of my list. But next up was Starkiller Base. I just, I... I uh, there's some nice stuff that happens on that, uh, you know, on Starkiller Base. But yeah. as a retread of the Death Star, I felt like it was too too much and it, it wasn't necessary. I think this is an Echo that actually does have a twist on it uh, because they, you know, we know the whole Han Solo scene that's going on there. So that's our main, that's what we really care about, right? But during that, there's right. the little homage to the trench run, which is, you know, a twist because it's darker or whatever. And they're shooting it and they blow it up and they're all <laughs> flying away from it in that shot um but it's not celebratory it it is the opposite of the yay we blew up the death star from star wars right. right it is because what we just saw happen even the music cues you to and it, i love how they have like the thing glowing really bright that overwhelms the silhouettes of the ships in front of it it is not a celebration of a great victory it is an acknowledgement of the loss we just experienced and say we've defeated this thing but it's still a pretty big a bummer. So I, 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 you know, I, again, I don't think you need to have a giant Death Star, but I'm like, if they're going to include it, if they're going to do a giant, you know, planet killing ball. I like the fact that they didn't blow it up and we all cheer at the end because that right, would no medal, no medals given out here, and and that that is absolutely right. That is the one thing that if that had been several planet killing balls earlier would have been a great, <laughs> you know, well, you know, a the great best variation. Star Wars movie doesn't have a planet killing ball in it, so there's that. That's right. You guys are not going right. to like the galaxy exploding ball that's coming. David, in a few planet movies. killing <laughs> balls is not a measure of time; it's a measure of distance. Okay. That, well, you know, okay. it's it's really Humble a measure brag. of weight is what it is. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our final round where we're going to we've been negative. It's true. We have been. But you know what? <laughs> we're going to get positive here with this last round, which is I would like each of you to provide me with a bad thing in Star Wars that could be made good via a new Star Wars story anthology movie like Rogue One or the Han Solo movie that's coming in a couple of years, something that you could 
improve by making a movie focused on it. And for this last round, guess what? I'm going to go first. <gasps> I know. Breaking a precedent here. I'm going to make a Star Wars uh, standalone movie where Jason doesn't go first. <laughs> Ooh, so as, as was foretold, actually, by uh, surprisingly by a pick earlier in the draft, I'm going to say it. I want a movie that retcons the death by sadness of Padme and shows us the life that she leads after the kids are born, where baby Leia actually knows her a little bit, but she's very young, and what her, maybe she's in hiding on Alderaan or something like that. Show me that. Get get Natalie Portman back, and we do a little movie about Padme and a secret mission that she has to do, and it's the real story about what happened to Luke and Leia's uh, mother, because it was all fake. It was a setup. Yeah, they fake her death. They fake her death because they need Darth Vader to think she's dead, right? So that's my split her in two and and put her on two different planets. So that's my that's my theory. Padme. I thought you were going to pick a a movie that makes Nian Num actually a a decent (laughs) character. (laughs) The the early years of Nian Num. Sure. Yeah. Dan, what uh, what's a bad thing in Star Wars that could be made good by a new Star Wars anthology movie? Not enough Lando. Yep. And so, well, I'll I'll spin that out a little bit because I think that's the the glib answer. But the longer answer is, um, you know, certainly up until Episode Seven, and and even there to a certain extent, diversity not one of Star Wars's strong points. Uh, I feel like it's great that we've got a movie coming out uh, in, in the form of Rogue One with a female lead. That's fantastic. Um, but I think it would definitely be great to see uh, a more diverse Star Wars universe uh, in terms of um, you know. S- Developing characters with more people of color and women and every, just across the gamut. I think we, we really need a, uh, a, a Star Wars, uh, some more Star Wars stuff that, that focuses on, um, you know, sort of a broader uh, range and, and, and diversity of people. Uh, Lando, obviously, one of my one of my favorite characters. And so I really look forward to seeing him uh, appear in the Han Solo movie. But like, gosh, darn it. Why doesn't Lando deserve his own movie? Mm. That's what I'm saying. I just wait. Donald Glover. Step two. I know. Young. I feel like that's ri- that's rich right there. So like we we got to we got to spin that off from the Han Solo. He's he's going to be great. I have no worries about that. Joe, I, I have kind of a weird broad thing in that I would I really like the droids in Star Wars. But I always have found it strange that there seems to be zero interest in the uh, exploring how sentient or uh, subservient or uh, what level of freedom the droids really have. Uh, so I, I kind of want to see something that uh, pursues something more where a, a, a droid, maybe C-3PO, maybe R2-D2, maybe someone uh, we don't know yet, uh, and and just kind of puts it out there that maybe they can make some choices that uh aren't necessarily tied to the wishes of the main cast of humans in a in a movie so that would that would be something i would like they should do it as a saturday morning cartoon series no that was gonna be a westworld (laughs) spinoff droid world uh monty um uh jedi fighting styles are kind of all over the map in the movies you have them kind of kendo inspired in 1977 because neither Alec Guinness nor David Prowse were super uh, flippy. But then later you get episode one where everybody is uh, is doing Ray Park flips. And then you get to episode three where everybody is CGI and doing triple backflips. So what I'd like is a movie that explains all Jedi fighting, shows different <laughs> styles than we've seen, and comes to some sort of justification for why really this kendo fighting is the most advanced version and it's 
<laughs> all that flipping around that Obi-Wan was doing in his youth, that's because he wasn't yet emotion. a master like he is now. Mm. And the advantage of doing this as a movie, it, it would be like 80% Jedi fighting, 20% history lecture, which I am totally on board for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a high history lecture percentage for a popular movie, I have to say. Who said popular? It says Star Wars on it. Kids will buy it. It's the Criterion Collection of Star Wars. I can't wait to see how, how the drunken master uh, technique got uh, described. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's see right. some weird fighting styles. Jedi martial arts movie. I love it. Yeah. I think we're going to get some of that in Rogue One. Mm. John? Um, so I, re- I guess I can't say that I just want to reboot the entire prequels and, and do a do-over on that because that wouldn't be uh, uh, going – that wouldn't be an anthology movie. So – uh, Palpatine is one of the best things in the prequels. He's a good actor, and he generally, you know, delivers his lines well and everything. Uh, but because, you know, but he's still, that's that's still a weak point in the entire series, and it's kind of annoying to have a secret identity drawn out and everything. Um, but to redeem that character, which is Palpatine from the prequels, not Palpatine in the original trilogy, I would like a young Palpatine story. Uh, sorry, the story of his ascension hmm. to be to the, the head of the secret Sith Order, um, it doesn't have to be the Darth Plagueis thing. Like we don't know for certain <laughs> as of the, the prequels, whether he's talking about himself, although he probably is. So you can make up any story you want for young Palpatine, uh, discovering the force and discovering that he, uh, kind of wants to rule the dark side of it. So a little young Palpatine says, are you an angel to yeah, a lady who walks young. into his show? No, 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 no. <laughs> are you a devil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Opposite. Just, I, uh, I picture it being basically season three of The Wire and Tommy Carcetti is, <laughs> is young Palpatine. <laughs> he also he constructs a droid, uh, R2-D2. <laughs> <sighs> That's okay. Wipes his, wipes his memory. It's fine. No. <laughs> no. No. David. Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of want to know more about these characters just because they made such an impression on me at such a young age. And and I revisit this every couple of years. I, I, I watch it again and I just I want to know more about them. I want to know how they ended up in this place. I want to know if they know each other and, and if they maybe end up together. I want a prequel movie about Art Carney and B. Arthur from the holiday <laughs> special. I knew David was going <laughs> to ruin <Wow>. everything. <laughs> It's true. How do they know each so, other? But you would improve it. What is their relationship with Diane Carroll in the Wookiee porn? You, you can't. You can't make it worse. Let's just do a gritty yeah. Life Day reboot. Mm. Blood everywhere. Life Day. It sounds like that's got uh, the, Denzel the Washington. The tragedy in it, that right? happened on Life yeah. Day. David Sparks, you get to you get to close us down here. What's uh what's a what's a anthology movie you want to see? A bit of a stretch, but uh, one of my problems with the prequels is the way uh, they take baby Luke, you know, they want to hide him. So they take him to Anakin's stepbrother in the house he grew up in and leave him there. <laughs> and, you know, I just, no one will ever guess. I was thinking, man, there's a lot of other places I would have started. But but either way, so you've got Yoda, you've got uh, Obi-Wan, one of my favorite characters in the wild here to look out after this kid. And, and somehow Luke makes it to be a teenager without having, you know, the world tumble in on him i bet there would be some great stories about how obi-wan in the background was protecting him and looking out for him and i think that would be an excellent movie almost like um like a western maybe but you know just obi-wan alone out there in his little hovel looking over this kid you just pitched the escort mission the movie (laughs) i think ewan mcgregor has pitched this movie himself i think so yeah i heard that he was interested and he'd be the right age to do it now so hopefully they'll make that one all right, we have reached the end. Uh, we have, we have uh, I don't know, gotten some of our feelings out about things that are not so great in Star Wars. Maybe showed a little optimism. And, of course, there's a new Star Wars movie coming soon. 
uh, and uh, and uh, relentlessly one every year forever. So more to talk about about Star Wars. I would like to thank my panelists for being here. For this episode, Dan Morin, thank you very much. Um, may the Force be with you, Jason. Thank you. The Force will be with you always. Joe Steele, thank you. Yubnub. Yubnub, indeed. Never forget. Yubnub. Monty Ashley. Uh, did I mention one quarter portion? Because that's also kind of weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just make that the portion size. <laughs> <laughs> portion control yeah what, what do you got against fractions it's just weird john syracusa thank you can't wait to find out if they get those death star plans mm. <laughs> i hope so boy wouldn't wouldn't that be something david lore thank you joe sniped my ending so i'm just gonna say Wootini! Wootini! david sparks thank you thank you i i i have problems because i love it all so much yeah i know but you know you gotta <laughs> We care. We we care. We 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 love because we care. We care because we love. I don't know something like that. I'll work it all. We out. kid because we care. It's literally there. You go. We care because we're nerds. Something like that. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of the Incomparable. We will see you next week. <laughs>